Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Phil Krause Rival Podcast. We are sponsored. I'm here with Austin Lester. Sa- at Savage Lester, if you're on Instagram. <laughs> uh, first sponsor we have is Killcliff. Um, I mean, what more can I say about Killcliff, man? It's a, it's a, it's a basically an, uh, a healthy alternative to those energy drinks. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's become the staple of energy at Fieldcraft. Oh, Rebel. damn. Yeah. I know. I, I, I mean, said it. I, I try to it. keep the, uh, the fridge stocked here. Yeah, you do a good But job. you greedy ass mother. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking them all. Beep. You know, but hey, <laughs> look, you can find Killcliff at killcliff.com. We have a coupon code, survival10. Save 10% on every purchase. They have a variety of drinks. The ones that I love are the CBD drinks. Yes. They have a new one. It's called Flaming Joe. Um, it was um, Joe Rogan's, I guess, uh, it's a signature thing, idea, right? signature thing. So check that out. They also have Grapeus of All Time. They also have uh, Orange Kush. They have Mango Tango. They have Strawberry Haze, I think it's called. That's a new one. It's really delicious. Like It has 25 milligrams of CBD. It's basically they added CBD to the recovery drink, but it has different flavors. Um, they're delicious. They also have Ignite, which is like their pre-workout thing. I think it's 150 milligrams of clean caffeine, B vitamins, electrolytes. Um, so check them out at killcliff.com. I would drop the uh, hashtag Killcliff Challenge. That's where you drink all the drinks during an activity or workout. And then and then to just see how well you do in during the workout. If you have more endurance at the end, how fast you recover. That's all. It's, it's just something yeah, that, fun. And that's yours. That's your, that's that's your hashtag. Thing. You started if, that, If man. you guys want that, we can trademark it. We can figure out a, you know a exclusivity <laughs> deal on that. But yeah, check them out. Killcliff.com. Survival10 is the coupon code. Next up, we have Casey Highlights. Casey. Casey Highlights. Yeah. 50 years. They've been in business for 50 years. And they're a light I know. company, bro. Yeah. It, Think about that. Think about how iconic that is. It is, man. Everybody knows the smiley face. Yeah. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. You know, that, you see that, a Jeep, that, that orange yep. orange disc with the Casey on yeah. it or the orange mm-hmm. disc with the... What, 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 the smiley face. The smiley face. And it's called yeah. something, right? They call it like a... Oh, man. You put me on the spot. I, I can't know. remember what it's, it's called. The Day Runner. Or, something, something, like that. Like, something like that. Yeah. Anyway. I, I got to go to their headquarters, man. And it's cool. They oh, got all their great. heritage Williamson? stuff. Yep. Yeah. Williams, Arizona. Yep. Yep, yep, I went there too. Yeah, Great. it's a cool spot. They had man. like that old seventies flavor yeah, to it, you know. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, but yeah, we have a kill clip or kill clip. We have a Casey Highlights code. It's just Fieldcraft, one word, Fieldcraft, and it's ten percent off. And you can see them at CaseyHighlights.com. I mean, they have lights for anything, like any vehicle you can put on. If you have a vehicle and you can mount a light there, you can mount you you can any Casey Highlight. You know, they have light bars. They have the Pro Series Six. They have the little uh, like the ditch, the runner ditch, lights. ditch runner lights. I have. The round ones on my, well, not my Land Cruiser, the company's Land Cruiser, though, but I have those. Mike Glover on his Monster Dodge has the mm-hmm. KC highlights, or KC highlights everywhere on there. He has yeah. the Pro Series 6 light bar. He has the the ditch lights. He has uh, the, the uh, what are they called? The rock lights inside the, the wheel lights, well. Yep. So yep. anything that you're, if you're outdoors, if you're if you're camping, overlanding, if you're even on a job site, at, at, a, at a job site late at night, and you need lights if you're working outside. Casey Highlights has you covered with every figure configuration, everything. So check them out, CaseyHighlights.com, and it's Fieldcraft. Save 10% with the coupon code. We have up next, Triarch Systems. Triarch Systems, you can find them at TriarchSystems.com. Coupon code Fieldcraft. It saves you 5% on your entire build. They have custom rifles, custom glots. They have Tri-11s, which is like a, it's a 9 millimeter, like 1911 version of theirs. Mm-hmm. And it is the 
it's a it's a piece gun, of man. work, man. It is. It's it is art. so nice. Like, check them out. Their um, their rifles are all custom built. You can go on there. It's a menu. You pick and choose what you want. I have a fourteen point five that has never jammed, has never failed. It's a constant workhorse. They're work guns, man. They yeah, are. they do good. If this this is the kind of gun, or these are the kind of this is the kind of company you buy once in your yes. tight life because you only need to buy it again. Hundred percent. So yeah, check them out. Triarchsystems.com. Use code Fieldcraft. Save five percent on your entire build. Last but not least, we have Uncana. Uncana, you can find them at uncana.com. And you can use Fieldcraft 25 and you save 25% off. What is Uncana? Do you know? I do know. I, I, I like their products. Um, you've, you've been giving, you've been sliding me the hookup for I've a while. I've been sliding right? you the hookup, man. And so, you know, Uncana is a veteran owned CBD company. They provide you with all natural solutions for pain relief, for recovery for just enjoying your lifestyle if you have pain. It's another it's an alternative to those pills. It's an alternative to those, you know, the 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 lab created medicines. I mean, this stuff is all natural. You can, you know, they have salves, they have pills, they have gummies, they have what else do they have? They have oh, creams, no. they yeah, have the, tinctures. They're creams, man. They're creams and salves really honestly. Work. And honest honestly, man, between like I, I'm not like you guys. I don't have a million injuries, but I got, you know, my fair share. But uh, well, using those, it genuinely has yeah. made a huge now, difference. And it's all, you know, you do do your research. I mean, we're not saying go out and take this. You have to do your research, get, you know, get the education you need. And if you go to uncanada.com, they have all the education you need. It talks about dosing. It talks about how, how long it takes to get in your system. Because you're not going to put this stuff on you or take the pill. And it's going to be not an overnight mm-hmm. success. This stuff has yep. to get in your system. It has to work. And, then, and that's what it does. You've got to take it. It should become a lifestyle, mm-hmm. part, of your, part yep. of your everyday. Like we talk about everyday yep. carry. It should be part of your mm-hmm. everyday recovery everyday recovery so your edr everyday recovery (laughs) anyway uh that's all we have so this podcast we are talking about i'm here with um with uh with jesus austin lester guys he works here at fieldcraft uh he went on a hunt with eastman's journals eastman journal with uh what what's her name again uh ike uh, guy eastman luke scott all those guys okay so all the, the crew from eastman's journal uh, Austin just tells us about the hunt he did, the elk hunt, and then we're going to be dropping that YouTube video soon. So check it out. Enjoy, and thank you for listening. Welcome to the uh, Field Crowd Survival Podcast. I'm here with, uh, you know, I'm here with Austin Lester. He goes by Savage Lester on Instagram. It's it's a handle, guys. Like let's not get carried away. <laughs> let's. I mean, let's just talk about Savage. Like who? How did that come up? All right. How did you get Savage Lester? I'm from a really rural part of North Carolina. Uh And everybody that goes there to my high school and elementary school, everybody goes to school together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elementary, middle, it's very small. Uh And then, so, I'm the only not overly redneck Uh Native American guy that goes there. So everybody's like, oh, look at this guy, he's a savage. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) cool so everybody called me savage and it that was before like savage means that you like roast people and say rude mean things oh that's what that means that's what it means now oh, i didn't even know that that's what the kids are saying so uh right now we are up in the new fieldcraft hq um in the nice conference room we got uh we have the barnwood walls with the it's just really rustic looking it up is, here man. it's it like the really dark nice. green it's just very it's it's very relaxing shout out to vince he picked out the color scheme yeah he, he hooked it up vince he did is it right. our uh you know we have our big conference table that uh is like 12 feet by like six feet 
but it's really nice up here and we can just kind of do these podcasts and uh you know share what's going on at fieldcraft but uh recently probably what like two or three weeks ago ish you did a elk hunt with eastman's journal yeah it can was, you tell us about that please dude that experience was awesome so first off big shout out to the whole eastman's crew yeah uh, ike guy scott lukey if you're out there love you guys <laughs> Pookie uh, is Pookie one of them? Lukey, just Lukey. Oh, okay. Lukey. His name's Luke, but we called him Lukey because they're these dudes are basically Canadian, right? So, so set us up. Like, it, was it like they reached out to us to do the kind of kind of like a partnership content thing? Um, they they had one tag, right? Right. So um, Scott has been in contact with Mike over the last couple years or year, and uh, so Mike's been writing a few articles for their journal. Um, and so they've kind of had that relationship and he's like, well, let's, let's do something. Let's do a collaboration between the companies where you come out, we get a tag and we go on a hunt. So it just timing wise didn't really work out for, uh, for Mike and Kevin to be able to go. We had a, a ton of other business stuff, but as you guys all know, you know, everything's just changed and gone nuts in the last six months to a year. So everything kind of changed up a little bit, but they were like, Hey, Austin, you should go up there get some content. Um, and we'll make the most of the time that we have with that crew. So we go up there and we were planning a, do you say where, where you went? It was Cody Wyoming. Okay. So we go to to Cody, go into Cody and we're planning a six day hunt going in on horseback. Um, like a, you know, up into the mountains It was yeah. and really remote, super remote. So we ended up some weather rolled in like really gnarly weather. And so we had to kind of throw an audible, and ended up there's an, a good friend of theirs named Johnny. Johnny, love you, dude. You're an awesome guy. Probably the funniest redneck from Kentucky I've mm-hmm. ever met. Anyway, <laughs> um, so they had a good friend of theirs, and Johnny um, used to print their magazine for them. You know, and they printed it for a number of years, and then uh, they ended up having to move because uh, to a different publisher because of some business stuff. But remained really good friends with Johnny. So uh, Johnny had been putting in a tag for this area for 12 years be able to go in and hunt a bull and uh, if you know anything about the, the hunting system and how it works it's based off of a point system and it takes years to accumulate the points to hunt in areas where there's larger game mm-hmm. and so he eventually got enough points was able to put in for the tag drew the tag and so he was out on his second day of the hunt when this weather rolled in and they were at a significantly lower elevation in a different part uh, outside of cody so they're like well let's throw the audible we'll go out link up with johnny and we'll do we'll hunt his tag film the content and document that experience mm-hmm. so you get uh you, you you get up in camp i remember you telling me that you you know you got to a location then you had to drive on a dirt road for two hours and then from there you got into like a like a little four like a two-seater and Dude, you had to go like what was that experience we were so like? far out so i i'm not too unfamiliar with just being out in the wilderness right but where we were, we drove an hour and a half outside Cody-ish, get to the top of this little dirt road, drive on that dirt road for an hour out to the camp spot. And then they have just, it's some more open terrain there. So they actually had a camper there that they leave for the off season. And so we set up kind of close to that. And then it was an hour and a half drive. Well, out, a little over an hour drive up into the mountain range to where we parked the Polaris. And then we would drive about an hour on the Polaris out to where we were. And then from that point, wherever we decided to stop for that day, uh, we'd get out and walk in. So 
what was like did you have kind of like a warning order before you left here utah to go up there did you did you know what you were getting yourself into and like <laughs> did you have like a packing list like what kind of gear did you bring like what was so, the weather like so we started <clears> off and i know i knew about the trip for a few months out mm -hmm. didn't know what the the context was going to be under the kind of kind of knew what i was getting myself into yeah. but overall speaking until about the last three days leading up to didn't really know right what, what was going to be going on uh -huh. so i talked with scott he was kind of our point of contact and so scott's like hey man you need to bring all this cold weather gear bring yeah. all this stuff because the temps are going to be you know negative 10 they probably won't get above you know 15 20 degrees while we're out there and i was like hold up like, <laughs> <laughs> i'm I am not prepared for yeah, this. Yeah, I right hate now, the so. cold, man. It's rough, and it's cold right now. It's cold. It's cold now, and it was yeah. really cold at Ooh. seven, eight. You're on the feet elements. There. there was no oh, like, yeah. there's no out getting away it. from it. Yeah. yeah. So, but luckily they had um, some really great gear made by Sitka um, that was rated for those temperatures. That kind of those kind. Did of you have you wore everything like on your body was was Sitka gear? Uh, yeah, everything. So they provided us with all the equipment to wear. Nice. So we had Sitka base layers. Um, you love for, that base layer, uh, huh? Dude, I wear it all the it time. It looks now. cozy as hell. It though. is. It is. You know. Yeah. And so uh, the Sitka base layers, and then uh, Sitka insulating layers. And then I had my Arteryx jacket on top of that. Oh, yeah. And then I had a another big puffy. I can't remember the model, uh, whatever it is, but it's like this hardcore. Um, massive jacket made by Sitka. So. Uh, so, okay, so you get to the camp, you and then, like, was the camp set up? Did you have to, guys, did you have to, no, do, like, we, put up stuff? We set everything up. So what you guys set we up? rolled out, and then we had this giant teepee. I cannot remember. I had I had the name of it until about five minutes ago, but of this teepee, and it was about 15 feet all the way around, mm -hmm. and it was probably 12 to 15 feet tall. And we could put, and we did put a wood-burning stove in the center and the pipe goes up through the top of the tent. It's got like this really cool um, chain link metal that keeps it from burning mm -hmm. the tent or burning the teepee. And it was just like a three log sized stove. So you put like three pieces of wood in there. Yeah, that's at all you time, and that's all. So we just like stack a bunch of wood in there uh -huh. <laughs> during the day so it wouldn't be frozen outside. Yeah. And then at night, somebody would essentially just pull fire duty in. We had a cot, which was nice. It elevates you off the ground. Yeah. Help is that is that good to like when it's when you're totally. doing like winter you want to create the ground you want to create some dead space you know yeah. between and ideally if i'm on the ground and don't have a fire um i want to have some kind of a insulating like insulating type layer and, mm -hmm. and build and you know pine boughs works really well yeah. stuff like that but to build um some type of a uh, a base for me to sleep up off the ground right and, and then did you sleep space. when you were in your sleeping bag what were you wearing when so, you slept there's a lot of controversy around this, I think. I, I've heard a lot of controversy around this. I don't think there is any because I do it and mm -hmm. it works well for me. But as long as you're up off the ground and you can maintain that body temperature inside your sleeping mm -hmm. bag, whatever your system is, if you have a properly rated sleeping bag for the temperatures you're going to be in, I was actually just sleeping in uh, socks, my wool socks, uh, and my base layers. And that nice. was it. So I was toasty almost the whole night until Did you have to go get up in the middle of the night and pee? no absolutely not i <laughs> i would almost risk dehydration before getting up in the middle of the night to pee yeah that's the worst feeling is getting is. up in the middle of the night and having to pee in the cold yeah because then you oh. got to get up put all your clothes yep. on open the the zipper everybody's pissed off because yep. you let in the cold air you zip it back up then you got to walk a hundred yards yeah. from your camp because you and don't want the wind could be blown oh. snow could be oh, oh yeah because oh. you don't want to pee or poop near your camp 
because you don't want to yeah. attract me, bears. Me and Sarah watched the. Uh, we were watching the gray. Oh yeah. Last night, and it was like, man, this dude walked out to take a piss by the plane. <laughs> he got got. He got took. <laughs> like this wolf just annihilated and just left yeah. him there. And you think about that when you're I'm out like, there, man. I don't like, want that. The chances of a wolf grabbing me right now in Wyoming are fairly slim to none. Yeah. But when well, you're yeah. out there, you're. But didn't you guys see some wolf tracks out? We did so. We'll, we'll get to that. I don't yeah, want to yeah, spoil yeah. it. I don't, don't want to spoil it. it. I, so. I just like talking about like like getting the camp set up, like getting all the stuff set up because it's. You know, because it's it's getting to the point where it's like, all right, I'm getting my stuff set up. Tomorrow's the first hunt. We're getting everything, and you're you're excited. You're making sure your camera stuff's ready. You're making sure your gear is ready. It's the most exciting time. I remember like hunting, um, deer hunting with my dad back in the day, and it was like, you know, the first day of deer, like gun season. That was the thing. Like Monday mm -hmm. morning was the oh, first yeah. day, and you get up and you have like all your new stuff laid out. Like you had, we, we were able, me and my brother got to go out and get a new like uh, overalls, a camo yeah. overalls, new boots, like socks, everything. We laid, out, we laid out the night before cause we did, cause we were allowed to go to like, we missed school that day. Yeah. Dude, it was where huge. I'm from, they, they just started closing school for yeah. five days for it the first huge. five days of the season because they knew nobody was going to Yeah. Do and then we put all of our gear on, like we, mm -hmm. cause we were young. We you were like 11, 12, yeah. 13. Like we get up in and like we get up at like three in the morning, four in the morning, you know, my mom make breakfast. It'd be a big thing. It's, oh, it was cool. awesome, man. Yeah. You know, but me and my brother, we were so young. We didn't understand like when you walk to your spot, don't put all your shit on. Yeah. You want to start a little cold. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we were dumb. We put everything on because we were cold. We'd right. sat in my dad's truck. And the heat was blazing and we were in there sweating our yeah. asses off. And then we finally get down to the little, we, we, we'd hunt at this place called Seven Creeks. And we'd take these back roads to get down. It was like in the middle of no, mm -hmm. like in this little, little area. It was really cool. But then the hill was the, was the ball breaker, man. Mm -hmm. Cause we had to go up this hill. It was called plumber's run hill Oof. and it was covered in snow. Or, I mean, it was like, it was steep and having to walk that thing. And then my dad would put us in our spots. You know, we'd pick out our spots weeks, weeks before we do our scouting. Mm -hmm. And he's like, all right, we'll sit down. And I am drenched in sweat. My <laughs> feet are frozen. <laughs> But then you sit there and you're just gripping your shotgun and it's like you're waiting for that sun to come up and you're just waiting. You're like, okay, I'm going to open my eyes up and there's going to be a big buck right there. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. I'm going to go home and be warm. But no, it's like all day. Yeah, event, all man. day. Yeah. So <clears throat> that is that is actually, it's kind of where the rubber meets the road. You know, you're, yep. you're like, oh, dang, like we're really out here. But so we set everything up. We get everything prepped the day before. And the big consideration that I had while I was out there was my camera gear because I haven't ever been in that cold of an environment for that long of a time with all my camera gear, expecting it to perform, yeah, exactly. to record and take photos and all that kind of stuff. So that was a big learning curve, but luckily I over-prepared and, and it worked really yeah. well. So, um, but it was just a fun consideration to have, to be honest with you. But um, so yeah, we woke up super early then the next morning. Mm -hmm. I think we were up at four. What'd you guys eat? Uh, nothing. So you go out hungry. <laughs> okay. Uh, the first day we just didn't really plan for it. Yeah. We were just all kind of super excited. So we didn't really think about it, but, um, so we went out and actually glassed the hill that morning, mm -hmm. uh, drove out to the, the Polaris, drove up, uh, to the top of one of the mountains where we, it was, it's actually the landscape was really unique because. Uh, where we would glass, we could see all the area out in front of us for probably 280 degrees out yeah. in front of us. And we could see all the ridges and draws mm -hmm. and see the uh, the slopes and where all the tree lines were. And then we were kind of able to make a really good game plan based so, off of the animals. So what was your, like, what, 
What, like, what were they doing? Like the uh, um, the Eastman guys. What were they doing? Like when they're glassing. Like, what are like what were they? Were they like looking at certain terrain? Yeah. To where they know that they're going to be. And then when you guys were driving the Polaris up there, like how much noise discipline was it? Was it like you guys weren't worried about it because you were not in that area just yet? Yeah. So we were we were driving up in an area where I mean elk could have been anywhere in that mm-hmm. area, but that wasn't the area we were really planning on hunting yeah we were driving up that to get up to a high vantage point so we could glass the areas you know 800 1500 meters and then away walk into that area. and then walk into okay. that so or drive the polaris close and right. then but there there was only really one trail that went back all the way back past this wilderness line out into literally the middle of nowhere so oh, okay. uh, there was a few off trails or whatnot like old logging roads things like that mm-hmm. but it wasn't accessible really by vehicle. Right. So we would only have, we'd be able to drive close and then we'd have to hoof it in. Yeah. But we were able to glass and so some of the techniques that I learned is looking from right to left because most of us are right-handed and that's just kind of the way we view things and, and do things. So you look from left to right, but if you look from right to left, you actually see a little, the movement catches your eye a little bit a little bit better through the mm-hmm. glass. Um, and so they, they taught us a little bit of those techniques, but they were looking specifically into uh, in the mornings, as the sun's coming up, the elk will be out in the open for mm-hmm. the most part. They'll come out, and it's not always the case, but generally speaking, the elk will go out into the open and they'll graze. So you'll see the yellow grass kind of coming up through the snow, and then you can see the elk. They stand out because mm-hmm. of their colors and, um, and, and whatnot, but you'll see them out grazing in the herd. And then you kind of make a plan um, based off of where they're at, the direction that they're grazing, and you look at the terrain that they're in, and you kind of just have to make your play based off of the experience that you have where you want to move in on foot. Because as it starts to get later into the day and the snow starts to melt off mm-hmm. the trees and it starts to drip, they don't like to be dripped on. So they'll they'll kind of move out into the open, wait for that to happen, and then they'll kind of bed back down into the, into the early afternoon and they'll go bed down until the sun's about to go down. So you kind of break, you can go out and stay out all day, but mm-hmm. we didn't, we would go out in the morning Typically, we would glass in the morning, and if we thought we had time to make a play on them, we would. Mm-hmm. Um, but most days, we'd go out glass and say, okay, this is the tree line they're going into. This is the direction that they're moving. And they're doing it like the same thing every day. Yeah. and kind of like the same, kind of right. following the same path. Yeah, exactly. And, and generally speaking... Now, uh, is it a loop? No, it was more of a, an out and back, really. Oh, okay, um, so um, we would drive like way out there and be like, okay, this is where we're making the play. Um, It'd be like an hour drive to get to these places. Right. Just like an hour drive on an ATV. On an ATV, yeah. Um, and then we get out there, park somewhere, mm-hmm. mark the location, and then hoof it out into okay. what, where we thought we how, were going. What, like, so what were you carrying when you were hoofing it out? So I actually probably had it easy compared to the other guys. They yeah. were carrying their, their all their own equipment, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't have a gun or anything like that because right. that I w- didn't have the tag. Yeah. So I had all my camera equipment. Um, I did carry binos. I carried some medical equipment and then all my, my survival kit, stuff like that, just so I had all my person mm-hmm. layered in my gear just, just in case. Um, but I had it light compared to these guys, you know. Uh, Ike was carrying all his, uh, you know, a weapon. He carried his bear mace, he carried his binos, he carried a pack with all his gear in it. And then same for Johnny, who was actually had the tag and was doing the hunt. He, um, he would carry his bag with his gun <clears throat> and then uh, all his, equipment that he carried on him all the time as well. So they had the harder job than I did. Yeah. But, uh, we would form like a single line. 
because uh, the snow can be really loud. And as oh, you're yeah. walking out there, you try to stay in each other's footsteps. So that Isn't it funny guy, how like the snow is loud, but it, and it deadens all the noise so out, out there? It's so weird. So, and you actually hope for a little bit of wind because yeah. you want to you want to play the wind to your advantage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you can find which direction the wind is heading and the the way everything is playing out for you, you can use it to your advantage and actually get within a really good yeah. close distance to have a good shot on an elk. So, right. so you guys are walking single single file line, just kind of keep up, just kind of keep the, exactly. the noise in yeah, it. Yeah, keep your signature down yeah. as best you can. And then try to stay quiet. One single line so that way you're not spread out, making mm -hmm. more noise, making more footsteps, that kind of thing. Because so, did these guys, did he, have these guys uh, hunted this area before? They have. They so they're really, they're, they know yeah, the land. They know the terrain. They know where they're at. Um, and they're really familiar with the with the areas that the elk <clears throat> tend to like. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is their backyard, and so um, we would kind of follow out and and go, you know, whatever direction we had kind of planned on, uh, based off of where we had glassed. And so we'd walk out a couple of miles at a time, and uh, once we got out there, we would uh, we would just kind of sit and wait and see what uh, kind of see what happened. So. Dang, look at this. Raul Damn, Martinez Raul in the house. Raul Martinez has popped in, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, all the way up from Prescott, Arizona. Yeah. That's okay, oh, man. Okay. We this, missed you, dude. This is a different kind of podcast. It's a different Yeah, style. hybrid. So you can come in and say something if you want. Just get on the mic. Just oh, drop man. something. Yeah, hi, this is just hybrid. We're it's talking hybrid. about my hunting trip. We're talking about his hunting trip. So we can, uh, we're going to uh, drop it. In, this is going oh. on the Field Cross the Rival podcast. Yeah. We're, we're switching it up. Yeah. We're making it more like a yeah. like conversation. People drop in. Yeah. And we're going to talk about different stories. So they're not going to be that long, but they're going to be, you know, content to get out to, because uh, he did the, uh, the video with yeah. Eastman. So we're talking about the hunt and we're going to drop it in uh, with the video on YouTube oh, or yeah. locals. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. You should have been there, man. Big story in small segments. Exactly. Yep. Like the idea. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks, man. man. He's Love proud you. of us. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> But yeah, so we'd we'd get out there, set up, <clears throat> and usually just kind of sit and wait to see if the elk are moving in the direction that we were thinking. So um, once we got about halfway out there, we were able to get eyes on them again, and they were right where we thought. And the very or the the second day we were out there, the first day we made a, a small play, yeah. kind of just didn't work out. We ran out of time before they went back to bed down, mm -hmm. so we moved out. Uh, but the next morning we knew. We had a really good idea where they were yeah. going to be. So we made a play on them, get all the way out there, right where we thought. And there was next to no wind, but we were able to be far enough away and use the terrain to kind of dissipate our noise. Get out, we sit down, we get Johnny gets set up right at this tree. I mean, he's literally, I'm filming him, he's looking through his scope, he's got the bull in his crosshairs, he, you know, drops the safety. He's literally putting tension on the trigger and we get this big wind gust that hits us and kind of comes from our back and blows like, and you see the trees all the way down there start to blow and the wind cuts around and then one of the elk sticks his nose in the air, sniffs, and they all just kind of booked it out of there. They, they caught our scent and they were at 400 yards away. Damn. And dude, I, the disappointment on Johnny's <laughs> face was like, I just cut the camera cause I felt bad just yeah. holding it in front of him. But, um, it, it was kind of a ball kicker. So yeah. we hiked all the way in there, which was probably like, I don't want to be, I'm not going to undertell the story. Like, but, no, but I, I mean, don't want to over-exaggerate. You have to exaggerate a little bit. That's what so it's not, probably 95% like of it's five true. miles. 5% of it's not. And any you know? Eastman guys, 
don't contest that. Let's just say it was five miles. <laughs> we'll just go with five miles. Huh. And just oh, add an elevation, five miles. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, and, and you're out of your element, and it's cold, yeah, right? Well, and you're carrying freezing. stuff. It's freezing. So, was your um, feet? How, how'd your feet do? My feet actually didn't do too bad. I got like a new pair of oboe boots before mm-hmm. I went out. They're insulated, and, and they're actually. I had my I'm, feet sweat, bro. Like I, I can't too. keep my my feet warm in the wintertime. It's hard, but I, I've kind of found my balance yeah. over the years of of wearing an insulated boot yeah. with the right weight of wool socks. You know, I got those um, Sorel boots, those big ones mm-hmm. I wore yep. for that uh, Christmas thing. Yep. I can't. Those are the best boots I ever. My awesome. feet don't get cold in those. Yeah, boots. it's awesome. They're waterproof. But they're just like funny looking because you have to like t- you have to tuck your. But you know what? That's what the Eastman's guys wear. They weren't wearing that exact brand, but they're wearing the same style of boot. And, and they just tuck their yeah. Their, that's yeah. what I do. And then, but you wear gaiters out there because you're you're punching oh, through yeah. a foot of snow, exactly. so you don't want your pants getting wet. Yeah. But uh, but no, I and then that and the first day I didn't wear any. Um, I didn't put any toe warmers in there. Yeah. Uh, and my feet got a little cold, yeah. so the next day I put toe warmers in. And the balance of the right weight wool sock um, with those boots and mm-hmm. a toe warmer, I was golden for five, six hours at a time. Nice. So um, that was the big thing. You started out cold. I would That's layer down. Thing, man. Like, then, like, I wouldn't mind. Like, I'll walk up and down the mountains. You mm-hmm. want me to, I'll pack in, pack mm-hmm. out. But, man, that cold, man, just let me... If yeah. I can stay like nice and just warm, and the wind is what was really the probably the worst kills. out there because it's just a windy area. Yeah, um, which is was it weird. Like nonstop wind. It's like a slight three to five knot breeze, Ugh. constant. And and then sometimes you'd be on a different part of the mountain where there wasn't any wind. And yeah. So uh, you kind of figured it out as we were out there. So My first you, day I was cold. But. So when so you guys would go, you'd glass in the morning, then you would try to like figure it out during the daytime. Mm-hmm. And then once the sun went back down, that you guys started coming back to camp. Yeah. So what was up? Like when you went back to camp, what was it like there? Did you? Was it like everyone was cooking or like? like yeah. What was so the process? we'd come back and then we'd immediately get the fire going because you just kind of accept that you're going to be cold for a little yeah. bit when you get out of the so truck. So you do an outside fire and then you put yeah, the inside fire. Yeah, we had fire. like a little. Well, we didn't do the bonfire. That was their rule. It was like no bonfire till we get an elk. So then we get back, go into the tent, into our teepee, and start the fire up, get it going. Uh, we'd usually get some water boiling, make a little mountain house meal or something, sit around, tell a bunch of lies and stories and um, different hunting, fishing trips that they've been on. And Oh, those, the camp, oh, the, those stories are the best. Do you have any oh, man. anyone that you so, that stuck out that you can tell? Yeah. So um, Guy um, is the older Eastman brother. And, he, you know, obviously their grandfather, Gordon Eastman, is the one that really kind of pioneered. They The Canadian government actually paid him to come out and to kind of explore the area and to kind of gain an understanding of hunting in Canada and the Northwest Territories. So um, he's got all these crazy survival stories from back in the 50s and early 60s. And so a guy came into the tent and was, you know, he he drank his Michelob Ultras and sorry if I'm giving it away, guy, but I mean, that was his go-to, you know, it was a, it's a good beer, but um, he would, you know, crack open his beer and he'd tell us a story. So Mm -hmm. one of those was, Gordon was a pilot and he flew a super cub. So he flew his little super cub. Um, and if you're not real familiar, it's just a small, like two seater plane with a little bit of room in the back. Um, and they flew it out into a, I want to say it was Alaska and they landed out there kind of in the middle of nowhere and they were hunting a polar bear. They were going to film the whole experience. So they, they killed what they said was a world record polar bear at the time. So they kill it, clean it. And loaded up in the plane well they didn't account for all the extra weight and flying back into a headwind so him and his other two other three buddies 
two in one plane, two in the other, are flying back. And so Gordon's plane starts to like, you know, run out of fuel because mm-hmm. they're not, they haven't accounted for the weight, the headwind and whatnot. So they start, you know, accounting for, hey, I'm not going to make it back. When we go down, you guys just keep going and get help. So they start going down. The other plane continues on. And so they're aiming at night for an iceberg that they can land on. And they, they spot one that they think is big enough. He takes it in and he lands and turns out it's not even like a true solid frozen iceberg. It's a big pile of essentially just slush. So he lands on this big pile of slush. The, wa- the cab starts to fill. They jump out, crawl up onto the wings, and the aircraft is still sitting there and slowly is sinking and sinking, sinking over the course of a few hours. So after a few hours, the plane completely sinks all the way down. They are sitting in this, you know, they sit about up to their waist in slush and snow in in the middle of like the ocean, the ocean, right? (laughs) Like freezing. And they only had on, you know, just their clothes. And that was all they had on them. And so they sat on that. And finally that slush that they were on after a day, came in contact to an actual iceberg. So uh-huh. they jumped on the actual iceberg and over the course of three days, they were out there, no contact, <sighs> no nothing. Goodness. Um, and so the, they said that the iceberg would break off and get smaller and smaller and smaller until eventually it, uh, it was only big enough for them to really sit back to back. And they sat there and luckily a, uh, a Russian aircraft flew over and they saw them on the iceberg, circled back and dropped a, uh, like a little boat for them. Uh-huh. They pushed it out of the back and the, the parachute just didn't open and the boat like zings out of the back of the plane, plunges through the ice and they're still just, t- just you know, shit out of luck. So, uh, they- <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> oh, is that you drilling on the mic, George? No, man. It's family. Yeah, it's family day, man. Uh-huh. We got the whole squad in here today. I know. This is great. And, uh, so this, this boat plunges right through, right through the ice. Oh, and, but luckily the Russians hooked it up and contacted the Americans and they uh, flew a helicopter out and were able to pick them up. But, um, so they were out there for three days? Three, three days, if I remember the story correctly. Three days, on nothing. Ice, like on sitting ice. Sitting in slush. Sitting in slush, yeah. Oh. So rough time, but pretty, pretty badass story, right? I mean, yeah, you yeah. got to be... I mean, that's survival right it, there. That is survival. Like, um, damn. No food, yeah. no nothing. Yeah. You didn't eat anybody's butt cheeks. Yeah. No butt cheeks were eaten that day, <laughs> to my knowledge. I mean, they might have kept that out of the story, but days, <laughs> I mean, three days, it, I could spare a butt cheek for three days, yeah. you know? So you're telling stories, then then what, what was that, like the third day? Yeah, that was like the third day, I think. And then uh, we kind of repeated that process over the course of uh, the next couple of days. <clears throat> more out and backs, more out and backs. And then um, finally, we actually went back to the spot of that second day where he got set up under the tree, uh, and had everything ready to go. And he goes out and he, um, we literally go follow our footsteps back. And there was a, um, there was another herd of elk had kind of moved into that area. Mm -hmm. Well, there was an even bigger bull elk in that area. And, uh, Johnny gets set back up. I mean, literally under the same tree, like you could still see the little marks in the ice under the tree Uh where his bipod had been sitting before his shooting sticks. And so he sets back up and he's like kind of looking through the trees Mm -hmm. and it, there was like two like kind of sizable pine trees right there where he couldn't really, he could see the elk kind of moving around in that area, but Mm -hmm. couldn't totally get a good shot. And he finally kind of steps out broadside. Johnny squeezes the trigger, breaks one off and this elk just stands there and they're like, 
shoot it again, shoot it again, like reload, reload. So oh they're, they're freaking out thinking he missed. Yeah. And so he's, he's reloading and uh, the little magazine that had jammed. So he's like dropping oh it out, trying, you know, freaking out. And this elk is just like standing there over the course of like five, 10 seconds. And then as he's loading another round, this elk just kind of like looks around and then just drops. Oh. And I mean, drops like all four legs up in the air. Dang. And they're like, oh shit, we got it, you know? And uh, I cut this little bit out of the video, but the elk actually stands back up and they're like, oh shit, like he's back uh -huh. up, like get another shot on him, get another shot. And before they could even get a shot, uh, he takes like one step and just drops again and slides down this huge oh, embankment, like, damn. yeah, like 800 feet down into this ravine. <sighs> and so, I mean, he dropped, they walk yeah, over yeah, there, yeah. they see him down in there and he's dead. Big victory dance, right? Like Johnny. And then the, the crazy part is, is I actually, so they had gone and glassed up on a hill They and they heard the shot. Mm -hmm. um, so everybody's like waiting to see, you know, are, are they going to text us and be like, hey, we got a bull, come help us get this thing out or whatever. Nothing. So then I'm back at the camp waiting on these guys to come out and because I had been up on the hill glassing as well. And luckily Luke uh, that works for Eastman's had captured this on video. And, um, <laughs> so we're sitting in this, in, in there, we had gone into their trailer. We're sitting in there like, okay, I think we're going to, we're going to go out and look for them because we need to make a move on these guys because it's dark. They're not back. We heard a gunshot. Yeah. Either they got something or something's wrong. Mm -hmm. So we're literally putting on all of our stuff to go back out and we see the headlights pull in. And I grab my camera, I turn on the camera. I'm like, oh, dude, they're going to tell us that they got this bull. Well, they come in and Ike's like, dude, if we didn't have bad luck, we wouldn't have any freaking luck at all. And, you know, Johnny's all upset. And so I turn my camera off like, dang, man, he probably took a shot, missed or whatever, you know, and bull ran off. Well, and then Luke comes in like 15 seconds later. He's like, we're eating good tonight, boys. And he's got the heart in a bag. And Ooh. dude, the energy just amongst the dudes that were there was awesome, man. Nice. Like, 12 years he's been putting in this tag trying to go get a bull of yeah. this size uh, and 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 you get to be a part fun. of that yeah dude dude that's awesome. awesome it was awesome man it was yeah. and a lot of people have and ike is going to come out for a podcast and sit down with mike and they're going to talk a lot about this i'm sure so oh, yeah. i don't want to steal his thunder but a lot of people have an issue with what they think to be trophy hunting mm -hmm. and i didn't really Wait, before we get into this so when you got when you guys got gutted that elk, how much like blood and like like well, what's what was crazy? That gut pile so look like? so he so they after they shot it, they went down there and they gutted it. <clears throat> they gutted the whole thing and then they they started the cape, which is where you just kind of cut up the back yeah. of the neck so you can get all the um, the the face and yep. everything, you know. And <clears throat> so they gutted it, and so they dealt with most of the blood. And so when we got back the next day, we went in the next morning really early. So you left it there overnight. Right. You leave it overnight. Is that something that you have to do? Or you don't have to. It's just that it was... The time was running out? Yeah. I mean, it was dark by the time they actually got the guts out. And you weren't worried about like predators coming well, in? And, and that was the thing. Is there, That's kind of the most dangerous time, if yeah. you will, because it's a fresh kill. Like the predators that are close, they're, they're going to be coming in to see mm -hmm. what's going on. So they gut it. Um, they pulled the back straps and the heart. Yeah. And they brought those back. Oh. Ooh, yeah. So they bring it back. And then, uh, so they just left the the rest of it down there because yeah. the statistics for this year is actually like one in f every four kills is being taken by a predator. Damn. Rather, mostly bears. Yeah. So, and in the state of Wyoming, if a bear takes your kill, mm -hmm. you can try to scare it off. You can't kill the bear, but you can, you can, you know, pop a shot in the air, whatever, try to run it off the kill. But if it doesn't, run away and, and you have to leave that kill there you have to punch your tag 
Like that's it. You don't get it. So, no but shit. one in four wow. are, were being taken this year by by bears. That's just how many bears there yeah. are out there. Um, and so that's a huge consideration yeah, when you yeah. walk back out. You kind of have to be smart and tactful on the approach to the animal. Luckily, where it's a blessing and a curse where it was because it was deep down into a ravine yeah. right near, near a creek and kind of surrounded by trees. And right. um, not many things are going to go down in there intentionally because it's just a little shitty area to be in. But um, And the other thing is you leave the animal whole like that because then it's less likely to be drug off by mm-hmm. a bear. A bear can't. It could, but it's yeah. not going to drag something that heavy real far away. It might just take a little snack. Yeah. Usually it's going to come in, eat on the guts, and that would yeah. be it. And then maybe hang out to take the rest later, mm-hmm. uh, which is why you just got to be careful when you approach. So nice. we went back down in there. Um, Ike walked us through quartering this thing up because mm-hmm. I'd never been a part of quartering an elk. Yeah, you know, I've seen been, that's deer and smaller animals, but yeah. uh, it was a, it was really cool. And then see him complete the cape, yeah. you know, um, uncork the head, pull it off because we pulled that out. <clears throat> now you, you guys went up there with empty packs because you guys yep. are going to carry all that so shit So you out. put it in the little bags, mm-hmm. all the meat in the bags, and you put those, and we took them in uh, an Eberle stock bag. It's essentially just a frame with like a, a small, thin um, bag around it, and then mm-hmm. you put the meat inside that and then you pack it out and so was it like uh was it already fro- like was the meat frozen um, it wasn't super frozen it took a little bit longer because it was mm-hmm. a little bit frozen when they were cutting it up and quartering it um but, but you can't really avoid a lot of that yeah uh, but it wasn't too bad it took probably an extra half hour to do the whole thing but you do have to be kind of heads up for predators yeah. and things during that but there was a lot of us right there was right six of us or seven of us and so so what you're saying is that so say if you guys are out there quartering it mm-hmm. and a bear happens to come along and the bear starts getting aggressive towards you you, mm-hmm. you are you allowed to kill it in self-defense in self-defense absolutely okay so if but, you're quartering it out and it's coming aggressively at you you can shoot it absolutely yes defend your life okay. but i can't walk up to a bear that's if it's eating, like eating it and you can't eating shoot. something okay. that i shot already yeah, i didn't i, just, I, I, I mean can't i, just I knew shoot that was probably it. the case yeah. but you sometimes yeah. clear clarification clarity. you gotta yeah, yeah, yeah. have some clarity <laughs> just, just had to ask but uh but no luckily we didn't have any issues with predators mm-hmm. um coming up on us or anything like that and you know all and with a number of like i said that many guys typically yeah. a solo predator when um so how so everything was quartered out then uh what was that pack out like what did you have to like what Dude, was the carry look like so i took a rear quarter just uh-huh. Which they guessed ninety five pounds, um, and you had to walk out of that ravine with yeah. It, huh? So the first like <laughs> thousand feet was rough, and then you, when you get up to that, there's another hill that you have to go up the rest of the mountain. Yeah, and then for probably half a mile, it's just you know fifteen hundred feet in elevation that you're going up, mm. and um, it was rough. You know, it was a rough first hour of the walk, yeah. but then after that, it wasn't too bad. It was kind of just side hilling and then downhill back to the nice. uh, ATV, but it was a, it was a little bit of a workout, you know, packing yeah. that thing out, but, but it, was it, was, cool it was good because it was like, you, you did something, you know, you felt Dude, like the sense of accomplishment, accomplishment. is huge, yeah. huge. So. It's, it's like a, even though there's like one tag, mm-hmm. it's still a team effort, man. It Everyone's is. part of that hunt. 100%. Just cause you didn't pull a trigger. doesn't mm-hmm. mean you weren't like yep. everyone was, we all took that, time. It's, sitting a, on it's the, a community thing. It is. You know? And it, dude, and then, I, and then when you were cooking every night, everyone was around, everyone yeah. was sharing stories, everyone was having a good time. And that to me, that's great. That, and that's what people think. People think hunting is going out, shooting an animal. And that's, that's it. Shoot, squeezing that trigger is that's, less than 1% yeah. of the hunt. 
Yeah, and that's not even like that's the easy. Like, it is. Like I want to say that's the easy part. Right? It is. It is like glassing, and yeah, it takes years of knowledge to like figure yep. out the uh, behavioral patterns and mm-hmm. like understanding the way the elk are going to do things and the terrain and all those things is what and I guarantee you, you learned. Like, dude, it was like, like well, you guys, you guys were out there for five days, four days, five days in the field. Well, five full days in the next mm-hmm. morning, and then um, they were out there eight days. Damn. So they were out there, yeah, two days Just before Just the amount us. of the knowledge you probably learned. Dude, like, it's like drinking from a fire you hose. Forgot. Yeah, oh man. And yeah. I, I, tr- I documented as much as I could. Yeah. Filmed everything, oh, photographed yeah. so everything. That, um, w- w- when is that coming out? So video's ready. Um, I'm going to shoot it over to the Eastman's guys probably today. Uh-huh. Let them check it out. Make sure, you know, they're yeah, good yeah. with the edit. Yep. And then... Uh, I saw it. I saw yeah. some of it. It's it's really good. Thanks, man. I'm really excited for it because it's it's something different for us. It is, too. man. We I, haven't done this. I mean, honestly, no, we haven't done we any haven't. content with no. hunting. So, and I wish I could say that I'm some like uh, award winning photographer, videographer, but I'm not. Right? Are, are any of us in this company a, a, a like an expert at anything? No, I guess that's true, man. I mean, dude, it's, we're just in here yeah, grinding. That's it. That's it. We're in it, here. We're in here doing stuff that we think that is gonna be interesting for people to watch and hopefully they'll come back. There's an entertainment and education value to everything. Right. So, and I really enjoyed filming it. I really, really enjoyed editing and putting it together. I'm really excited for the story for this whole thing too, you know, and I can't wait to see it. And I can't wait to see the future of it because we have, we're going to be doing more and more stuff with them. So everyone listening, get ready because Eastman's journal and field crowd survival, we're going to have a lot more videos and content and hunting trips and, and, and and gear reviews and and things of that nature. So just stay tuned for that. Um, I'm excited, man. But, um, um, so what else you got going on right now? Uh, just filming and photographing, man. Just yeah. really, really trying to um, tap into this hunting, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to call it a market, but it's like. It's a, is, it, is it different though? Shoot, you I mean, shooting, I mean, obviously shooting the tactical stuff, like for the our gunfighter stuff. And then yeah. you're basically, you have to like relearn a new kind of like setup. For sure. You know? um, there's definitely in, in like bow hunting, right? Yeah. Like that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. And then uh, getting really into fly fishing. So w- what are some of the things that you've kind of learned now that from st- first starting out the company doing all, you know, all gunfighter stuff to more of these lifestyle hunting uh, frontier type stuff? Um, so there's definitely a, been a huge learning curve from just the content creation standpoint, from learning how to photograph and, mm-hmm. and video these different events and things that we do from... Because, I mean, obviously there's a way different vibe to going to a pistol carbine course than going out on a five-day backcountry hunt. Yeah. Um, And that's, it's hard to explain because a big part of of just my upbringing and me as a person is the outdoorsman. I I love that kind of stuff. I love the hunting, fishing, Mm -hmm. backpacking, anything to do with that, right? And I've done it my whole life. Um, That's just been something I, I love to be a part of but tapping into and then in the military you get into the tactical stuff but then i get like the, the best of both worlds working here oh yeah because um, you get to do like i, I like it now because you're gonna be doing more survival stuff and mm-hmm. then but also you're doing your you know the the, the, the media content piece which mm-hmm. is you know and but i like how you go you go out by yourself man like mm-hmm. i couldn't do that shit you know what i mean like <laughs> you could you I could, could but you it's could. just like it would take me forever it it's a learning curve man but yeah. it's so fun dude just like throwing on a pack, grabbing my stuff, mm-hmm. being, and a lot of it just comes from being proficient with, you know, whatever the preparedness level is that yeah. you think you're going to need for that. But, and then just 
the the extra piece is just taking a camera yeah, and experimenting. With, yeah, and taking my tripod and mm-hmm. just going out and experimenting. And if that's for a day or if it's for three days, it's yeah. you know, and just making the most of that trip from a content perspective. And uh, I'm really excited for Kevin Estella to get here because oh, then man, I can't wait. For I don't have to, to do it solo. Then yeah. I can take him and we can go on bigger, better trips. Yeah, and big just time. Do more and more of this kind of yeah. stuff. Well, hey, I think that's kind of wraps it up for this yeah, one. That was a good one. I haven't got to really talk. I it's talked fine. to you guys in passing about the yeah, hunt. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So I think this is good to let everybody know yeah, what's going on. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and then the video will be dropping soon. Yeah. So. Tell me what you guys think, man, because I, yeah. I want to get better. I want you guys to enjoy every piece of content that yeah. I create. So uh, let us know what you like and what yeah. you don't like. All right, that's all. All right, later, guys. Peace.